If you would, turn with me to Matthew 13, verse 44. And I feel like what the Lord has given me for today um, and how this day has gone, how this morning has gone, is just a, what he's given me is just a capstone of what we've already gone through this morning. Um, I leaned over to Mitchell when we were in worship, and I said, I feel like if I don't preach, it's already been preached, right? Praise the Lord. Um, so Matthew 13, 44 says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. As a young child, I knew this parable. There was a, a, a kid's Bible that my parents used to read to us. And on one page, starting to talk about this, there was a shovel going into the ground, and you could tell it was hitting something. And on the next page, it opened up, and there was this treasure chest filled with gold and jewels and diamonds and emeralds. It was the most beautiful treasure chest you could ever see. And in my head as a little child, I remember thinking, well, duh, yeah, I would sell everything because that's what I'm getting. Yeah. I, everything that I have is worthless in comparison to that treasure, right? I don't know about you guys, uh, but for me, the past seven eight months, I've really struggled with this. Are we willing to sell everything for God? We know the answer is yes. We know that. But is our core belief, is our life lived out? No, I will sell it all for Jesus. I will lay it all down. I believe if we truly saw the value that is the kingdom of heaven, we would sell it all, right? In my line of work, um, in the absence of value, price is everything. In the absence of value, price is everything, right? If you don't see the value, the cost is all you're paying attention to, okay? But once you see that value, the cost is of lesser value, right? It doesn't matter. Okay, um, so what do we typically focus on? What is it easy for us to focus on? The cost. What does it cost us? Okay, time and prayer. That's super exciting, <laughs> right? That sells. Okay, it doesn't. It doesn't sell. Okay, um, reading a book that's nineteen hundred to thirty-two hundred years old in living my life by this? Like, if you just told someone that, hey, here's a book, it's 1,900 years old, live your life by that. That's what this is. That's the Bible, right? Humbling ourselves and having to repent quickly of our sins or our wrong motives, that's a cost. That doesn't sound fun. Who likes to humble that? Who truly likes to humble themselves? No, we're filled with pride. Not doing things my way, my jealousy, my pride has to go. Changing the way that I look so that I look more like Christ. I'm a servant instead of being served. I like being served, right? But we're called to be servants. Following Christ and doing his will will cost us everything. 
it's cost me money. Okay, Paul was talking about giving your money. It's cost me a lot of money, right? It's cost me friendships. It's cost me time, sleep, caring for others when I felt like I needed to be cared for. It's cost me time away from my family, time away from, uh, from parents, my wife, my kids. I've missed weddings. I've missed funerals. I've missed family reunions, sporting events. But the truth is, this doesn't even compare to not, what, not even what Jesus went through, what Paul, the Apostle Paul, went through. Okay? And then if you compare it to Jesus, it's not even close, right? But look at, turn with me to 2 Corinthians 6. We're going to look at verses uh, 4 through 11. Second Corinthians 6, verses 4 through 11. And it says, But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of the righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and not yet killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. Right? The cost is there. We see the cost, and it's worth it. Right? We must die well. Are you willing to pay the cost? Right? Matthew 19, verses 16 through 22, and I'm not going to read all of this, but it's, it's the rich young ruler going to Jesus and saying, uh, what must I do to have eternal life, right? And Jesus says, keep all of these commands. And then the rich young ruler says, well, I've, I've done all those. <laughs> Jesus responds, if you would be perfect, okay, he wasn't, okay? But if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. And the young man heard this and went away sorrowful, for he had a great many possessions, right? My fear is that many of us in this room are that rich young ruler. And that's not to condemn anyone. That's because it's me. It's been me. I've been struggling with it the last seven plus months. Okay? And before that, I've struggled with it again. Right? Not even a month into Jill and I's marriage, uh, we felt like the Lord was calling us to the mission field. Um, right at that time, we read the book Radical by David Platt. Um, it's on the back bookcase. I'd encourage you to read it. Um, it's a fantastic read. Um, and this was our heartbeat of uh, 
going and doing whatever the Lord asked us to do, right? Many people looked at us and were like, wow, you're going to the mission field? That is incredible. That is amazing. You are giving this life away. Yes, kind of. <laughs> I didn't have a job, okay? <laughs> I did. It was not a career, right? It was very much just a job. Uh, we had no debt. We had very little possessions. There was not much holding us back. We didn't have kids, okay? During that time abroad, okay, the Lord shifted our vision and shifted our mindset for what was really important in life. Spending time with the Lord, fellowship with believers, seeking his will, and doing it immediately. Oftentimes, we would come back to the States to raise support, um, to see friends, to see supporters, and uh, we'd have a lot of teams come down and visit us um, and get involved in the ministry. And we would talk so many times about how ugly the American dream was. We promised ourselves that if, if the Lord called us back, we would not fall into the trap of material possessions and the American dream. So again, August of 2018, I think it was August 22nd or 23rd, we flew back and we moved back to the U.S. Moving back to the U.S. was tough. Okay. Uh, again, I didn't know what I was supposed to do. Um, we lived uh, on the south side with Jill's mom, who's in the back right now, okay, for a while. Um, that's humbling. Okay, It was great to be there, blessing to be there, but that's humbling. I started working as a financial advisor, and I had to build my own business. Okay, So we moved to Brownsburg. And I, if you live in Brownsburg, I probably knocked on your door. I went door to door, knocking, trying to talk to people and have them give me all of their money. <laughs> That's, that was the model. And it works. It's crazy. Um, but since that, that time, right, the Lord's brought a lot of stability into our life. We were able to buy our first home. Praise the Lord. Um, we have vehicles that I turn the key and I push a button and it starts and it just runs. Um, we have three kids that are a blessing, right? Um, we love our church. We love our family. We love the people that are around us. And like I mentioned, the last seven months, I've really been wrestling with this parable of the hidden treasure, really wrestling with it. I felt like the Lord was calling us to something else in the fall of last year, and I started to get worried because I didn't want to give these things up. I didn't honestly want to go back to the mission field, and that's not that I don't love missions, but I was comfortable here. It was nice to sit in air conditioning when it's 90 degrees outside. It really is. As the Lord was awakening something else in me, Paul and Taylor sat down with Jill and I and talked about, hey, do you feel like this is it? What you're doing right now is it, or do you feel like there's more? And with trembling, I was like, no, I think there's more, and I'm scared. 
right? And, and Paul was talking about coming on and, and, and taking a step into eldership. One of the reasons I did not want to be an elder, I didn't want to preach. <laughs> Just if I'm totally honest, right? I didn't want to be up here. I thought, hey, let somebody else do it, okay? But it is a pleasure to be up here and a joy, and I'm excited to be here. Um, there was, a, there was a, an evening I was driving home from church. It was late at night, 9.30, 10.30. It was late. I was driving home. There was nobody on the road. And I remember thinking, God, I don't even want this, God. I just want the comfort of living my life. I want the comfort of earning my income and doing what I want. I don't want to be tied to other people's schedules. I want to be tied to our schedule, and that's it. Looking at the comfort of this world, what does it get us? Okay, What does the American dream tell us that our lives should be? We should get a good education, get ahead in life. We should build our safety net, our nest egg, invest in your 401k, do your financial plan, do those things. Okay, <laughs> That's important, yeah. but that's not where our hope is to be, yeah. right? We get the nice house with the white picket fence, the vehicles, the shiny toys to have fun with, have a couple of kids, go to Disney World, work hard, play hard, retire at 65, live out our golden years, going on vacations with our grandkids, with our friends, and then at the end of our life, we pass away peacefully in our home, in our bed, with our loved ones surrounding us. Right? That's what the American dream tells us. But what is the actuality of the American dream? There's striving. There's, there's comparison. Okay? I can't tell you, I am, I am the most dissatisfied with my car when I go to meetings with other financial advisors. You got the latest, nicest Lexus and BMW and Audi and Tesla, and I've got my 2014 Camry that's rusting out. <laughs> Comparison is real, right? Keeping up with the Joneses is real, okay? What does that cause us to do? Go deeper into debt, and there's pressure, and there's tension, and there's stress, exhaustion, broken relationships with family and friends, heartache, shame, pride, fear, anxiety, anger, hopelessness, tragedy, worthlessness. And to cope, what do we do? We numb ourselves with passions that don't give us anything in return with alcohol, with drugs, with pornography, with sex, with entertainment, with TV and Netflix, with YouTube and video games, with racing, okay? The biggest race of the year happens today. It's not the Indy 500. It's the Formula One 
Grand Prix at Monaco that finished earlier this morning, okay? I'm an F1 fan. Um, sports, okay? Um, I like sports. Um, I went to Purdue University, boiler up, and I grew up a Michigan fan. Go blue, okay? <laughs> this fall, Purdue and Michigan played in the Big Ten Championship in Indianapolis, okay? My dad got us tickets. I was excited to go. We went downtown, had an early dinner. One of the guys we were with downtown had um, connections. His son was pretty high up in the police force in Indianapolis. And we got, instead of having to walk to the stadium like every other peon has to do, okay, <laughs> we got to get in police cars and they drove us to the front gate, okay? It was, it was awesome, it was epic. And we get out and we walk through the gate and we go into the stadium and Lucas Oil is big, if you've ever been there. We walked in one entrance. We had to walk all the way around to the other side. This was an, about an hour and 15 minutes before kickoff. There were tons of people there getting drinks, getting food, finding their seats, greeting one another. And we got into the, stadium, into the stadium, into our seats, and the team was getting ready, getting warmed up down on the field. The bands were playing. It, the atmosphere was exciting. There was a buzz in the air. And I was sitting there, and I'm going, this is awesome, but what is this? What is this spirit that's going on right now? And I, as we're sitting there, I was talking to my dad, and, and we talked about this is the spirit of this age. The people that are here, live; they're here for one thing, their team to win. Now, whichever team won, I was going to win, right? Because it's Purdue and Michigan, but Michigan won. Go blue. Um, but they, we idolize our teams. And how often do your, does your team actually win the championship? Not very often. Never. Right? <laughs> but it's what we idolize. Where is our treasure? Right? And so this morning, I want to repent to you from having one foot in the American dream and one foot in what the Lord wants for me. Is the Lord worth it? Being in his will, we talk about this, right? We are, we're in the Lord's will, okay? I work in finance. If, if my uncle was very wealthy and I was in his will, I would be excited about that. I've seen the transfer of money from one generation to the next and what it allows that generation to do and the relief that it gives that generation, okay? We are in the Lord's will. What the Lord has created, what the Lord has, is ours. How often do we focus on that? No, we focus on the cost, right? And so let's talk about the value, okay? I've got some different verses I'm going to go through real quick here. Um, Psalm 29, 11. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Strength and peace are ours in the Lord. Do we not want that? That's the value. Psalm 32, 1. Blessed is the one whose transgression 
is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Praise the Lord. I'm a sinner. We are all sinners. And the Lord covers it. It's forgiven. Romans, 40, uh, Romans 4, 7 and 8. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. The Lord does not count his sin against him. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Mercy and comfort is ours in the Lord. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Ephesians 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply every need. Oftentimes, we get our wants and needs confused, right? Can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people. No, no, that's not a need. That's a want, right? We get those confused. But he supplies every need of yours according to his riches, right? First Peter 4, verse 14, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. His spirit rests upon us. If we look at the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, verses 3 through 12, the poor in spirit, when we recognize our brokenness before a holy God, what's our reward? The kingdom of heaven will be ours. The kingdom of heaven is ours. You think of a kingdom on earth, if it were yours, you'd be excited. We get the kingdom of heaven. Come on. When we mourn, we're comforted. When we are meek, we inherit the earth. When we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we're satisfied. When we are merciful, we receive mercy. The pure in heart, they see God. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be like the Israelites in the wilderness. When, when they would say, Moses, you go up and you talk to God and you tell us what he says. Because they weren't pure before the Lord. They, they were scared. So Moses would go up and, and see the glory of the Lord, and he would come down, and his face changed. And they couldn't even look upon his face because of the glory of the Lord. He had to put a veil over it. I want to be pure in heart. I want to see God. He said, blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called sons of God. Those that are persecuted for righteousness' sake, Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When others revile and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, you will be called blessed by God. So what's the value in the Lord? There's hope. There's strength. 
we're enriched, every need of ours is taken care of. If you just go there right now and just every need of yours is taken care of. I, I look at my kids. They don't have a care in the world because their needs are taken care of. Our needs are taken care of by the Lord, right? Our sins are covered. There's comfort in the Lord. There's peace in the Lord. How many people in this world just are seeking peace? It's found in the Lord. There's joy and freedom in the Lord. There's abundant life in him. We can abide in him. There's value and worth. There's delight and there's rest in the Lord. And again, isn't this all what we are striving for? This is what the American dream says you'll get, but it's a counterfeit. It's not right, right? Am I, am I telling you this morning that you need to quit your job, that you need to become a missionary, that you need to become an elder, that you need to go start a church, that you need to, to be a deacon? No, that is not what I'm telling you. But you need to be present where your feet are. What is the Lord asking of you, right? You need to continually be praying, saying, Lord, what do you want from me today? What do you want from me right now? When you're in the grocery store, Lord, what do you want from me right now? Okay? So I want, I want you guys to do something with me. I want you to pull out your phones, if you don't have them out already. <laughs> Open a note, a new note. And I want you to answer this question that's up on the screen. We're going to play some music in the background. What is the Lord asking from you? Take a couple of minutes and write that down. So 
Maybe there's something that you need to give up. Maybe there's something that you need to do. The next question on the screen, what's getting in your way? Take a second and write that down. So I want to encourage you guys. Take your phone and go to your alarm and set an alarm for Tuesday morning about 20 minutes after you get up. You can turn that off, that, that sound. Um, why, do you, why do we set this alarm? I want you to go back and look at this note. What is it that the Lord's calling you to do? And what's getting in your way? I know we're at a holiday weekend. Monday, you're probably going to be with family, with friends. That's great. And Tuesday morning, let's make sure we focus on this. What is the Lord calling me to do? Right? Are you willing to pay the cost for his presence? Are you willing to sell everything? to go and buy that field, to get that treasure that is innumerable, that will change your life like nothing else will? Again, we know the answer is yes, we should do that, but does our life lived out show that? Right? It will require all of us we must die to ourselves and our flesh and say, not my will, Lord, but yours. Right? Matthew 25, 1 through 13, it's, it's the parable uh, of, of the ten virgins. Right? Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps... They took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, 
Go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. We have to get our own oil. Sunday morning is not the time and the place for you to get your oil. Okay? That doesn't mean you can't be topped off every once in a while. Okay? It doesn't mean you can't be encouraged because you, you should be, right? What if Sunday morning was like Ben was talking about opening the service? What if Sunday morning is the time to take that alabaster jar that we've worked so far, hard for and the oil that we've gathered throughout the week and we, we break it and we pour it on the feet of Jesus. Stand with me this morning if you would. We all have to be on guard to not be the rich young ruler. Right? For seven years we were abroad and we hated that which was the American dream. And not even being back in the States five years, the pressure of that is so intense. I'm thankful that we got that seven-year reprieve. Most of you have not gotten that. What is the Lord asking of you? Right? For me, I have to repent daily of, Lord, this is not what I want. I want your will, not my will. And I don't want you to get confused. I'm not saying wealth is bad. It's not what, or that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the American dream and putting our hope and trust Amen. in that, that is not of the Lord. Right? The value of our inheritance from the Father God is immeasurable. One touch from God changes everything. What I would encourage you with today, don't leave today without that touch. We've had an amazing worship service this morning. The Lord was touching people and moving people. But if you were sitting in the back, if you were standing, if you were not engaging the Lord, and the Lord's asking you to lay something down, don't leave today without doing that. Don't let Satan talk you out of it. Okay? I'm going to pray to close. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your word that is active and moving. I thank you, Lord, for the treasure that is your kingdom. Lord, that we can have. Father, and all we have to do is sell everything that we have and we get it. Father, may we see the value of your kingdom greater than the value and the, the, the cost of what it's going to cost us to get. Lord, may we count the cost, and may we, we say we, we joyfully sell everything to run after you and say, Lord, you are our portion. Father, we need you. We love you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.